Well, what a powerful worship, amen? If y'all would uh, find your seats, we're going to figure this out. Alex has, um, Alex has an amazing, now I haven't heard it yet, so I'm speaking by faith here. But I'm, I'm, Alex has an amazing, um, an amazing testimony, amazing witness. He's, gonna, he's our missionary to Cambodia. Now, I love missions. I love, but you know what I love even more than missions, I think, you know, is missionaries. Because if it weren't for missionaries, I'd be going all over the world, right? And so it's, it's, a, it's a blessing. It's truly a blessing um, to, to, to have missionaries, to have those people that we support as a body to send out um, to bless the world all over the place. And so <clears throat> over the next uh, three weeks here, we're having a missions emphasis. So next week, we've got my mother, Gwen Miller. She's going to do... Um, She's going to talk all about Alive at Last and her organizations. It's a local, um, a local ministry here in uh, Fort Worth and Dallas, DFW. And it's all about um, helping battered men and women out of um, all sorts of... Uh, it, I, I, I always want to say sex trafficking, but it's not just sex trafficking. It's bigger than that. And so... I'll let her explain that. She does a lot better job at it than me. So that's coming next week. I'm really excited about that. Many of you remember um, when we sent a missions uh, a group of our own on a missions trip a couple years ago to Honduras to um, World Gospel Outreach. Who remembers that? That was awesome. They are World Gospel Outreach. Um, they, they, own a, they, they run a children's home and a coffee plantation and uh, 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 they do the, the, the medical brigade into the city weekly. It's pretty amazing. Once again, you can tell. I don't know as much as, uh, as, much as Abel Pena is going to know when he comes, so I'm going to let him talk about that. But that's, that's a week from next Sunday. That's two weeks from now. Abel Pena is going to be the new um, director of WGO there in Honduras, World Gospel Outreach. Really looking forward to that. Um, but this week... We do have, we have Alex here, and he's going to come. Won't you come, Alex? Give him a hand. If you don't know Alex, I would take time to meet him. He's an amazing man of God. Alex, thank you so much. Thank you, brother. Well, it's a, a blessing to be here. My wife and I want to say thank you to you, Pastor John, Pastor Gwen. Um, they came to us. Actually, about three months ago, Pastor John said, why don't you come over and have some coffee? And I said, well, do you know a good place to get any, you know? <laughs> and uh, so we met down there at Axiom, and uh, he actually asked if the chapel could come alongside us in Cambodia. So whether you know it or not, we are now all linked together in the work of the Lord in Cambodia. So... Today, he asked me to just talk on a few little things that, you know, would take six months to unpack, but I got 30 minutes to do it. He wanted me to talk about winning the lost and then show you what we're going to be involved in in Cambodia. And Betty and I, thank God, the travel restrictions are loosening up. We are, you know, next week or maybe... Maybe the middle of next month, I'm going to apply for my visa. You can no longer get it at the entry point. Yeah, I have to go to the embassy in D.C. and get it. But things are loosening up, so we have a lot of, uh, we're getting excited. You know, I actually pulled a couple suitcases out of the attic yesterday, you know, and we're starting to put stuff in there. So God is good. So I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to share your word today and to share with you the works that you're doing in Cambodia. Father, I just thank you in Jesus' name. Well, hopefully this is going to work, so we'll see. Praise God. Okay. Like I said, Pastor John wanted me to talk about winning the lost. For me, that means three things. Number one is our relationship, your personal relationship with Jesus understanding the gospel, and then engaging the lost, OK? 
Okay, so we're going to talk about that today. And the very first thing we're going to talk about is what Jesus calls our first love, which really means our relationship that we have with him. So what is our first love? Well, mine was... (laughs) Mine developed at the kitchen table, okay, and it wasn't my love of food, but it ended up being my love for Jesus, because when I first got saved, I would get up every morning, about four o'clock in the morning before work, and I would just get out my Bible, my pad of paper and a pencil, and then I would literally set the table for God. I would set a table for the, a chair for the Father, for the Son, for the Holy Ghost, and I'd sit down and I would invite them to come and to teach me their word. You see, I never had a dad to teach me anything. So when I got saved, just like Jesus said, I will take you to my Father. Amen? Well, all of a sudden, I started realizing I have a Father in heaven who loves me. It wants nothing but the best for me. And that just changed my life completely and forever. And that was, you know, probably 35, 36 years ago. And I can tell you today I love him more today than I did then. But I want to talk about our relationship that we have with the Lord because it is the most important possession that you have. Your relationship with Jesus Christ. It all starts and ends right there. I left half of it at home. Oh, okay. Praise the Lord for that. Because I was gonna have to I was gonna have to dig out the phone and load it up on Google. Amen. I should have stuck with the electronic version. I would have been all right. But anyways, so I want to talk about our relationship and how important it is for us to remember what God has done for us. We have to remember where we were when he found us. Amen? Or I should say when we found him. Amen? And what he's done for us. Think about what he's done for you and how he's carried you all these years. Amen? Because in that, you will develop a deeper love for him. Because you'll appreciate what he's done for you. Amen? And it's in his word. And it's in the presence of one another. It's when the Holy Ghost comes and fills the church and we begin to hear Him speaking to us. Amen? Come on. This is where we need to be. And this is where we need to strive to be. It's not a passive relationship at all. It is an active relationship where you and I must put the energy involved or required to keep our relationship with him alive because there are so many distractions. Amen. Here's a number one right here, okay? And uh, I hate to say it, you guys don't have a clock up there, so I got to keep looking at this thing here and tell me what time it is. When you take time, and this is what I loved about the Lord, about my time at the kitchen table, was that. I learned how to listen to and for his voice. I learned how to distinguish between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost talking to me. And it was at those moments that I realized God is real. And God is in my life. Amen? And he's talking to me. And what value does that have for you? That is the most important question you can ask yourself. How important is this relationship? Because if you don't think about it, and if you take it for granted, you're going to get yourself in trouble. And the Lord talked to me about that. 
Because one time I got so busy with life, raising a family and church. Oh, man, we were active in church. But we got so active doing everything that we forgot, I forgot about my first love. Amen? And so the Lord talked to me one day, and he said, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because you have left your first love. That's how important your first love is, your relationship, my relationship is with Jesus Christ. But what I love about the Lord is he always, always has the answer to our problems. Amen. (laughs) And it's found in the next verse. He says, remember, remember from whence you are fallen. Repent and do the first works. Or else, those are red letters. This is Jesus talking. Okay, this is not Brother Alex talking. This is the Lord talking, or else I will remove thy candlestick out of its place. That, except thou repent. That's how important our relationship with him is, okay? Now, David understood this. He understood it from a couple of different angles. If you'll recall, he got himself into some serious trouble with Bathsheba, okay? And he starts talking about that in Psalms 51. And there's a verse in here where he talks. He says, cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then... Will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee? It's not until we have a proper relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ that we're going to be able to be effective witnesses for him. Amen? You and I need the presence of the Lord. We need the Holy Ghost. We need the joy of the Lord. Amen? And these are just some of the benefits of a healthy first love. Now, I'm going to challenge you to go home today, over the next few days, try to find a quiet spot, and see how long you can sit still. Come on. How long can you sit there and think about the Lord? How long can you quietly wait upon the Lord. I'll buy you a cup of coffee if you can make it 15 seconds. Come on, you know it's true. We have so many distractions in this life, and that is our biggest challenge, is carving out time for the Lord. Where's your, where's your kitchen table? Where is it? And what are you doing at it? Are you just busy shuffling plates around, setting the silverware? What are you doing? Are you sitting there waiting? I decided when this whole COVID thing hit and I was, we were grounded. I felt like I got grounded. I haven't been able to do anything for two years. But I just purposed them. I said, okay, Lord, I'm just going to spend time with you. And that's when I realized how much distraction was in my life when I tried to sit down and do exactly what I'm challenging you to do. Because I felt like a, a pinball. I'm just bouncing all over the place, you know. But thank God I've been able to just get better at it now and focus on him more. Amen? Winning the lost. Okay, we got to understand the gospel. You got to have a good relationship with the Lord. And then you have to understand the gospel and what it really means. Okay? Because Jesus said, I want you to go into the highways and into the byways and compel them 
to come in. Compel is a very strong word. It's as though you are going to force somebody to change their mind and to change their direction. Well, how are you going to force somebody to do that unless you have a good argument? I want you to change. Why? Well, because I think you should change. Well, that's not going to sway anybody. You need a compelling argument, and that is the gospel. We need to prove to them that God loves them, that he forgives them, and that they're important. So many people in this day and age, they just don't feel important. They feel marginalized. They feel like nobody cares. Well, you have a God in heaven who cares more about you than you'll ever realize. And then also that God wants to bless them. I mean, this is, there's just not enough time to unpack all this. So I'm just giving you the, the top level stuff. Go home and dig into it, okay? But there's some basic stuff that you have to know. It's fundamental truths. The Apostle Paul told the Corinthians, he goes, I'm going to pass on to you what was most important. Now, here's the Apostle who's written all almost three-quarters of the New Testament. He's talked about a million different things. And now here he's boiling it down. Here's the most important things that I'm going to pass on to you that was passed on to me. Now, that passed on to me, if you dig into that a little bit more, refers to when he went into Arabia, and the Lord himself revealed this to him. No man revealed this to him, but God himself revealed it. Amen, and here it is. Christ died for our sins, just as the Scriptures say. The Bible, you're always pointing people back to the Word of God. He was buried, proof of his death. And he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the Scriptures say. Okay, there are the three fundamental truths that we have to have and we have to understand what's behind each one of those. And we'll get into that in a moment. Okay, because when you go hunting, okay, you're going out for the lost. You're hunting for the lost, right? You want to go with a loaded gun. And so this is what we're going to do. Here's, here's the three basic truths, but behind it, there's more. There's so much more. We can add to those three fundamental truths, these two. There is salvation in no one else. Okay? You can look anywhere you want in this world, and you're going to come up empty. Until you look to Jesus Christ, because God has given no other name under heaven whereby which we must be saved. And, and this is so true, especially for us when we minister in Cambodia, because it's always this issue of good. I, if I do more good than bad, I'm going to heaven. But that's not the case. But God saved you by his grace when you believed. You can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. So you need to understand grace. What does grace mean to an individual? And, you know, so depending on who you're talking to, and the spirit at the moment is to how hard you've got to push with some of this stuff, okay? But you need to know it. You need to have it in your arsenal. Nettie and I were getting ready to go over to live, to live over there full time, we had trained up in this program called TEE, Theological Education by Extension. And so we're trained in this, and it's, it's to train the people in the villages and whatnot. And we went through all It's like a two-year program. I mean, it's, it's intense. And, and I knocked it out in six months because we were running out of time, and Nettie's picking up where she left off. Well, anyways, we got it all done. Okay, and we're over there. We're in Cambodia, and we're getting our feet, you know, we're kind of figuring things out. And the Lord tells me, he goes, forget everything you learned. I said, what? He goes, forget everything you learned and just tell them I love them. Just tell them that I love them. 
and go to John 3.16. So that changed our whole ministry focus right on the spot. You know, I mean, it's, don't misunderstand me. It's great that we learned all of this stuff. I love it. We use it. But the focus for us in Cambodia is to prove to the people that there is a God in heaven who loves them. For God, and when you talk to them, you can make it personal. For God so loved you. You're talking to the person. God loved you. And he loved you so much that he gave his son so that when you believe in him, you should not perish but have everlasting life. This is the gospel in a nutshell. But do you really understand all the different elements of it? I encourage you to go home and ask the Lord to teach you to break this down for you. There's really three sections to this. This is pretty much it. My life was headed straight to hell. But Jesus Christ saved me. Well, how did he save me? What? You need to learn about atonement. You need to learn about justification. You need to learn about reconciliation and redemption. You need to learn what it means to be justified by faith. A good place to start is the Romans Road. And depending on whose version you look at, it's five to seven verses. But it's a systematic approach to the condition of man and what God has done for him. Amen? It'd be a great place to start. But we need to learn these truths because these truths will set free those who all their lives have been held to slavery by fear of death. And that is huge. Every, I don't care how much a person says, oh, I don't care about death, it doesn't mean anything to them. They're, they either haven't thought about it or they're lying. One or the other, okay? Because the Bible says man's greatest fear is death. Okay, so we can compel a person by talking to them about their end goal. Where do you want to be when you draw your last breath? You want to go to heaven? You want to go to hell? Well, the choice is yours, and you can talk to them a little bit about heaven. You can talk to them a little bit about hell. You say, you don't have to go that route, and you can show them God's love as you learn what all of this means. That's why I say we have to understand the gospel. I thought I knew the gospel until I sat down to learn the gospel. Then I realized how much I don't know. Okay? So I have spent the last two years, because of my COVID grounding, learning about the gospel. And it's been, it's, it's wonderful. If for no other reason it helps my relationship with Jesus Christ because I now appreciate more what he has done for me because I now know more at a deeper level what that cross means. That cross means a lot, and we need to understand it. Amen? So, it's all about getting our relationship right with the Lord and understanding the gospel. Now, there's three other things. When I was recovering from COVID, the Lord would come to me, and he would talk to me for several days, and we would just talk about different things. But the one thing he told me was he says, my people and the church have gotten themselves in serious trouble. Why? Because they have taken their eyes off of Jesus Christ. They've left their first love. Why? How? Through disobedience. Come on. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep, obey my commandments. Amen? Now, through disobedience, we grieve the Holy Ghost. Out he goes. Jesus said, I'm going to send you power. To be my witnesses. Well, how can we have the Holy Ghost if we're being disobedient to the Lord and we are ignoring our first love? You can't. 
You want to be a powerful witness for Jesus? You want to make it to heaven? See, I'm looking at you as all, you're all bunch, you're all lost here, so I'm going <laughs> to, you're all on your way to hell. No. <laughs> you need to get Jesus Christ. That relationship is so important. And we need to obey what he tells us. And he says, my commandments aren't grievous. They're easy. But we just got to tell our flesh to shut up. But we can't. And that's why God sent the Holy Ghost. Amen. He says, through the Spirit, you can kill the flesh. Amen? Which means we can then obey. So it all rolls into one nice big package. Amen? But it takes effort on our part to stand in that place. Because we, every one of us, faces this thing called life. <laughs> you know, everything's going great, and all of a sudden the grandkids have gone off the rails, or the kids have gone off the rails, or whatever has gone off the rails, and you got to deal with it. Amen? It's just stuff, or you get a bad report from the doctor, or your whatever, your mom passes away. Who knows? It's life. But Jesus is right there with us. Amen? And he gives us the power we need. Okay, now, now that we, are, we have a great relationship with the, with the Lord, we're obeying every word that he says, and we're so full of the Holy Ghost, now it's time to go out and engage the lost, okay? So how are you going to do that? What are you going to do? I don't know, but God knows, and he's told you, because it's sitting in our hearts, Every one of us has this desire, this God-given desire. Call it a, a holy imagination. Amen. Oh, what if I just get out and do that? And, and you, when you think about it, you start feeling really good, don't you? Well, did you ever stop and think that that's maybe the path the Lord wants you to walk on? And are you going to get out and start following it? I'm just, I'm just saying, I don't know. But for me, that seems to be the way it works. God puts these ideas and bursts it in my heart. and Okay, all right, all right. Here's a good example. When we were saved early on, in our neighborhood, our church was, you know, three, four miles from home and going to church, coming back every day. Here's a retirement home in our neighborhood, okay? And I would go, every time we drive by, i say, Lord, you know somebody should be going in there and sharing the gospel. Somebody needs to be going in there and telling them about Jesus. Every time I pass by, whether I'm going to church, going to work, doesn't matter, I'm saying the same thing. So one day, I got one of my daughters, and I can't remember which one, but they were young enough, they're still in the stroller, and across from the retirement home was a Taco Bell. Okay, so I said we were hungry, so I took the kid, and we took the stroller for a walk, went over to Taco Bell. We got our bag of tacos. You know, back in the day, you could get a bag of tacos for a buck, you know. <laughs> we used to come home from church and feed a family of five for $5. Those days are gone. But anyways, we're, we're coming out. We're coming out. I think it was Allison, my middle one. We were coming out, and I got the bag. She's carrying the bag. It's in her lap, you know. And I'm looking. I'm at the street getting ready to cross. I said, Lord, you know somebody should be going over there. And he says, you go. And I said, but Lord, my tacos are going to get cold. <laughs> I kid you not. He said, just take them home and get your Bible and come back. <laughs> so I did. I took, I took Allison and a bag of tacos home, got my Bible, went back, and I went and I just asked the management. I said, you know, can I come and share the Word of God with the folks here? And she said, you know, they would really love that. Do you know that that started a nine-year ministry? Nine years going every week sharing the Word of God. 
And he taught me how to study the Bible in the process of all that. He taught me how to love on people. He taught me how to minister. It was just amazing. It was amazing. And he probably started me there because they were so forgiving. <laughs> They're just happy to have somebody show up. But it was good. So I don't know what's, what's God put in your heart. I just encourage you, get out and engage the lost. Now, in this season of our life, Nettie and I, that requires us to go 9,000 miles away from home, okay? So, of all things, you know, Asia's in the east, but to get there, we got to go west, okay? So, try making sense out of that, but we start from L.A., and we head towards China, Okay, now we used to go into China and change planes there, but not anymore. So we're probably going to, we can head into Japan or the Philippines or Korea or Taiwan. Of course, that's getting a little dicey these days. But anyways, we go there and then we come down to this purple country right here. That's Cambodia. From our home, when we lived in California, I haven't figured it out from here yet, it's 24 hours door to door. It's a long day. It's like 9,600 miles away. And that's where we go. And TripAdvisor said that the Cambodians, now this was several years ago, it was the happiest place on earth. They just had the happiest people. You know, they do all these surveys. And honestly, living in Cambodia is a blast because people are just super, super friendly, you know, so you're not having to worry about anything. Now, we like to think of ourselves as God's supply line, okay? And what I'm going to share with you now are some of the things that we are involved in when we're over in Cambodia. Some of this is still going now by the grace of God. We're able to stay connected because of technology and because of the relationships we have there. And these, this is what you folks are going to help us with and get involved in. Out in the villages, out of everything that we do, my favorite is ministering in the villages. I just love it. I mean, when you're sharing the gospel, it could be under a tree. Okay, you're sitting on a mat somewhere. It doesn't matter, okay? People just come. And we are what you call, I guess, alongsiders. We don't come to tell them how to do things. That's not what we do. Our number one objective is to build up the body of Christ with the Word of God and encourage them and to get them walking in the Holy Ghost. That's what we want to do. Okay, and that's what we do. We also help on practical matters as well, as, you know, the poverty in Cambodia is crushing. But the people we work with, they're involved in church planning, doing outreaches, evangelisms. This one book that Sister's holding here called Abundant Life, that was actually a discipleship program that we taught and they, in turn, are taking it out into the villages. They take it to their villages and to their people. And they share the truth about Jesus Christ. So the cell group meetings, there was four cell group meetings that we would hold, one a day. And different cell group leaders would come. And so we could have, I think one group was as small as five, and others were as large as 10 or 12. And each one of those was, an, was a leader in their village. So they would learn, and then they in turn would go back out to their village and teach their people. Amen. So it was a real blessing. Now, this one group, the one on the, on the left, this was a mix between some of the cell group leaders, and also there was a couple of folks in the, uh, in the village right where we were teaching who would come. But they were illiterate. They couldn't read or write. And they would sit as close to Nettie as they could because they wanted to hear every single word that was being taught. Amen. It was such a blessing. Now, they just didn't, they were illiterate just because they didn't have the opportunities to learn. 
These gals, their minds were sharp as a tack. And one of the things Nettie loved to do with them is they'd have these memory verse competitions. And uh, I'm telling you, guys, we didn't stand a chance, okay? These ladies, they would get these memory verses, and they would, they'd get them memorized, and then they'd have little competitions, and they just blow you out of the water. Their minds are sharp as a tack, amen? And they're such a blessing. And so there was home, there's home visitations that go on. The leaders will go wherever there's a need in their village, and they'll share and encourage the Word of God with others. We send, because of COVID, I mean, poverty is just so bad in the village to begin with, but we started sending additional monies to Cambodia to help feed. And for $350, they can buy a half a ton of rice, soy sauce, fish sauce, and they can, they'll take it and then they'll break it up and they'll send it to wherever the need is, okay? And so we, we try to do that every month during the COVID season here. Now, we get involved in evangelistic meetings. I guess I love this the most, too. I just, this is great. <laughs> We'll go each, there's different regions that we minister in, and each region kind of has like their central church, if you will. And so we will get invited to go and hold meetings there, and we just preach the gospel. That's what we do. And the leaders just bring in everybody, and we get, we start having a really good time. So, you know, I'm teaching in English, and Nettie's translating, and Next thing you know, people are getting saved. Praise the Lord. Amen. So it doesn't matter whether there's 20 getting saved or whether there's one. People respond to the gospel. They love the fact that they are loved by God and that they have hope. Amen. And that there is a tomorrow. This particular meeting, the one on the left, when everybody's coming in, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, this could go sideways really fast. Because you see all the kids in the middle? Well, you know what kids are like. You know, they sit still for about a minute, and that's it. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh, Lord. Do you realize that they sat still the whole meeting, and it's like they hung on every word that was being said? God brought them there to hear the word, and all of them accepted Jesus Christ. Amen. So just when you're thinking the worst, God's got the best planned. Amen. You just don't know. You just got to do it. Amen. Oh, here we go. Okay. We, we held a, an evangelistic meeting on an, on an Easter, and the place was packed. There was a couple hundred people there. The church was full, the doors were open, they're flowing out into the back, and there's kids at the windows. I mean, it was, it was great. And we're preaching the gospel, amen? And at the end of the service, we, have, we always have an altar call. There is always an altar call. And over 80 people responded. And so everything starts unwinding, and we, we're, and we had fellowship in the back with some food, and and that's all unwinding. We're ready to go, but they wouldn't let us go. And so we're just sitting there. Okay, come on. It's, you know, I'm tired. I want to go home. It's time. And well, finally, the pastor comes out with this bag, and she gives it to us. And I said, what is it? I open it up. It is a freshly killed chicken. Amen. <laughs> that was our gift. It's the most precious gift. They don't have any money. We didn't ask for anything. But they gave us what they could. Amen? And it was amazing. So we went back to the orphanage and said, hey, look, we got meat today. Because a lot of times it's chicken bones and no meat in the, in the food in the pot. <laughs> oh, some of the food they eat over there. Oh, my goodness. That's why we spent like four or five days in the village and two or three days in the city. I had to go back. I mean, they got pizza. They got hamburgers. They got all. I had to go back for some American food once a week. I won't get in. I'm running out of time. I won't get into the stuff that we would eat over there. Okay. You'll help us 
be involved in an orphanage, well, it's now called, they transition from an orphanage, it ran its course, and they've turned into a school, but it's called the Greater Hope NGO. In the villages, they are known as the Jesus School, okay? Now, you got to remember, this is in the heart of Cambodia, in the heart of Buddhism, okay? In every village or region, there are witch doctors. Demonic activity is there. It's everywhere. Remember, the Bible says behind every idol is a demon, and there's nothing but idols, idolatry all over the place. And here the Lord placed Kit and Reem, and they started this orphanage. They, I think they got up to as many as 40 kids, and then that ran its course, and they, about nine years ago, started a school. And they started with two teachers and a handful of kids. Pre-COVID, they had 50 teachers, 850 kids, and they were turning them away. Why? Because God was using them in gross darkness to bring the light of the gospel. The parents could see the changes in their children. Amen? To the extent where like a half mile down is the local temple, the, you know, the Buddhist temple, the head, the head monk sent his kids to the school, knowing full well they're going to learn about Jesus. Why? Because the school, besides being known as the Jesus school, is also known as a place where the children are safe, where they are loved, and they are properly taught. Amen? And so it's making a difference. There's actually a Muslim um, presence in the area. They, I haven't seen it, but Kit was telling me, the, the mothers would come dressed in their hijabs to enroll their kids in school, knowing full well they're going to learn about Jesus. That's what God is doing, and you'll be helping us here. Now, the teachers on the left are getting trained. That happens weekly. And what would happen in our schools if the kids on their free time started reading the Bible? That's what they're doing, and the kids love it. They love the Word of God. They're hungry. That's the, that is the beauty of ministering in Cambodia. The people are hungry for the truth. Amen? We had the privilege of leading nine of these teachers to the Lord, and they all got baptized. And that, that was amazing because they were saying, well, maybe one or two will get baptized. Well, lo and behold, nine of them got baptized. So we're all rejoicing in that. So then Kit and Reem said, well, let's, we'll have a baptism for the students. They were expecting maybe 20. 120 kids responded to be baptized, to accept Jesus Christ and be baptized. There were so many, they had to break it up into three days. Amen. <laughs> and it's just amazing what God's doing. And what's even more amazing is you'll notice there's a lot of young children. Well, they have to respect the parents, so they have to go ask the parents, is it okay if we baptize your children in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost? To my knowledge, not a single parent said no. So there's a testimony. Going out into the villages, going into the homes, going to mom and dad, going to grandma, grandpa. It's, it's amazing what God is doing. Okay, we're also involved in what I mentioned earlier, TIAC. It's Theological Education by Extension. This is the Association of Cambodia. TEE is a worldwide organization. In Asia alone, there's over 100,000 students. In Cambodia, there's 1,000 students in every province of the nation. Nettie and I train and we teach the discipleship program, and we also teach the college-level courses. These are some of our students who graduated. There's the cell group leaders on the left, and then we, we trained all the teachers at the school in uh, basic discipleship. Here's our, our college class. 
Now, when I got diagnosed with cancer and we had to come home and take care of that, the Lord brought to us two different pastors to continue this teaching because this is, this is the core of it here. Both of the pastors, the one who's teaching now is our pastor from the U.S. who's Cambodian. He retired and went back over and is living there. But he would drive two hours once a week or every other week to come and teach this class for us. He'd been teaching it for 20 years. And then we found through the organization, the TIAC organization, another pastor in the next province who's teaching him to this day. And praise the Lord, by the end of this year, four of these students should graduate. They will get a Bible degree. They, in turn, will then be able to go out and get together their own students and start multiplying. It's all about multiplication, okay? So it's such a blessing. City Church. We're not, because we got so involved in the villages, we haven't really worked that much with Pastor Panna, but we've known him for 20 years. When we were living in England, Nettie heard about this young Kamai guy who needed a place to stay, so we opened our house, and he spent three, four months with us while he was doing his schooling, and that just started this 20-plus year relationship. It's wonderful. We get together, and whenever we do, it's like we just pick up where we left off. But his ministry is to young adults because they all come together to go to college. He works with the college kids. And uh, it's amazing. We, through the help of the churches, we actually built a church for them over there. Okay, and these are the, these are the different folks. Just kind of a little recap. I've got to check my time here. Okay, I'd like, to, I'd like to finish with this story. And I'm not really going to have time to share. I had some really cool pictures about everyday life in Cambodia. Maybe I'll leave you with this one. You'll love this. Here we go. Keith, you're going to love this. Okay. Well, you want to go shopping for, the, uh, for Axiom, for the food you're going to start serving? You, you, you go to the local night market, okay? And you see the one in the middle? You look, look, see on the left in the middle, you see the claw? That's like a six-foot lizard that someone caught, killed, cleaned, and rolled it up and put it for sale. <laughs> That's, I mean, you just see this stuff. And this gal here, imagine a, like a four-by-four four four platform. She's hanging in a hammock between all these cuts of raw meat with a fly swatter in one hand. It's 100 degrees, no refrigeration. That's Cambodia for you, I'm telling you. That's why I go to the city. That's why I, that's why I go to McDonald's. And Okay, and then here, if you don't want to go to the market, they'll come to you. Now, here's... Local hog delivery, okay? They just put these pigs in an open-air cart that's pulled by a motorcycle, and they start offloading it. Well, as you can see on the right, there was a big silver pan, which was okay for about three or four of the pigs, and after that, they just started overflowing onto the dirty cement. <laughs> I love it. Because then they end up here... They end up here, the Chinese get a hold of them, and they barbecue them. So all those on the left is the barbecue pork, okay? And that's good stuff. That's good eating. You just don't want to know where it started from, that's all. <laughs> but if you're not into the beef and you're not into the pork, you can get the chicken, which is on the right. And when you drive by, I didn't realize it at first, they're still alive. They're just hung upside down, and all of a sudden they start looking at you like, help me, help me, get me out of here. So, it's, uh, you see some pretty wild things over there. And uh, that was the view outside our bedroom window. The girls are cleaning the cisterns. 
for the rainwater. But these three, I want to get you to these three here. They got it figured out. Just give me some shade, some tires, and a cold drink, and life is good. You know, that's all they, that's all they would, are interested in. Can I hold you for five more minutes while I read you this testimony? Okay. This is testimony from Soria. And uh, this is a reality, what I'm going to read. for this, this is what real life in the villages is like, okay? And I hope I can get through this. My name is Soria Pat, and today I would like to share my testimony as well as some of the experiences I've had in my life. And I hope that this video, well, I hope that this will encourage you in some ways. I was born into a very poor family, and from sunup to sundown, my life was extremely difficult as I helped the family survive. We have a father in the house, but he never did anything to help the family survive, and this put my mother in a very desperate position to be the breadwinner. There were six members in my family, my mother, father, my older brother, myself, my younger sister and brother, and this was a big burden for my mother. My father, besides not helping around the house, never showed us any love. At age seven, I was enrolled in first grade, but after three months, had to drop out to help my family survive. Survival, that's, that's exactly what it is. These families are so poor that they just have to survive day to day. Yeah, so I didn't have enough time to rest each day because my mother had to get up at 3 or 4 in the morning and go cut grass to sell cows for the farmers that were far away from the home, and this left me watch, to watch my sister. Sometimes my mom came back really late, and I had to just keep watching her. Every day, my siblings and I were able to only have one rice meal or porridge. We didn't have any money to buy extra rice to cook, so we had very little to eat. We rarely had two meals a day. If there were any ceremonies, that'd be like a wedding or a funeral, in the village, as soon as my sister fell asleep, I had to go and find crabs and snails, cooking leaves, papaya from the fields, or from the bushes around my house to sell them at these ceremonies at night. We really had a hard time because the money my mother earned cutting and selling grass was just to pay off debts. I never dared, now listen to this, she's like, nine years old. I never dared to imagine having good clothes, good food, or going back to school. It was even harder to think of being loved by my family. I was upset. I was hurt. I didn't understand why my life had all these problems. When I was nine, my mother had another child. It was on September 2007. Just three months after giving birth, she started to go out and cut grass again. So now I had two younger siblings to take care of because as the oldest sibling, it's my responsibility to watch them. But I heard that there was a church close to my village, approximately three kilometers from my house. When I was 11, I decided to go visit the church with my two siblings to find some help. When I told my mother I was going to go to church and I would ask the pastor if I and my two siblings could live there in the church, when I told her this, she didn't say anything. The day we left for the church, we had a really long day, and it was hard for me, and we didn't even have a bicycle to go to church. So I had to carry my sister in one hand and carry my two-year-old brother on my back along the road. I was tired. I was worried about their safety. Fortunately, we safely arrived at the church, which is called a New Life Church. When we arrived, they were worshiping. After church finished, I decided to ask the pastor if we could live with his family, hoping that he would help us. Thank God the man agreed to receive us and allowed us to stay with him. We were really excited. Then he sent us to school, but I was having problems learning in school. I was not, a good, I was not good at school because I worried about my mother at home. She didn't dare come to find us when we had left that day because she also wanted us to go and live with someone else too. I guess she was hoping that we would be able to live with the pastor's family, but I still worried about her and what would happen to her when we were not there. See, that's the reality of poverty. Think about that. The parents willing to let their children go in the hopes that they'll have a better life. I mean, that's, that's what we're dealing with here, okay? 
When I was 12, the pastor brought me and my sister to an orphanage called A Greater Hope, and that's the one I shared with you about, the school now. They could not receive my brother because he was too young. They didn't have a babysitter there, so we had to live separately. I cried when my brother could not stay there with us. When we came to the Greater Hope Orphanage, I began, to, uh, I began to wonder why everyone here loves one another like their own brothers and sisters. One of the greatest things that happened to me was that the directors, Kit and Reem, let me call them dad and mom. I never felt daddy's love before. <laughs> but now I had it. And daddy Kit was a greater dad than my real dad. Dad, Kit, and Mom loved me and my sister. They took care of us very well. God is faithful. Since coming to a Greater Hope Orphanage, my life changed a lot. I have enough food to eat, clean clothes, and the love of the people there. And I could go to school without worrying to work anymore. When I was 15, I began to understand that God loves me, the gospel, and to understand that I was a sinner. During that same year, I asked Jesus to forgive my sins and gave him all my pain and started a new life with God. Also, that same year, I was baptized. God has ransomed me, and I am now a new person in Christ, and in Christ I have hope. Amen. Now, even though we randomly thought about our mother at home, we always encouraged ourselves that our God is greater than our problems. We trust that he will be able to use us to help our family and my mother soon. I knew God had a plan for me, so I worked hard at studying my lessons and learned as God and learned as much as I could about Jesus at our Bible studies. With Dad Kit and Mom Reem's help, Mom Reem's help, I will reach a good goal for my life. It's been 10 years since my sister and I came to the orphanage. In that time, I have learned about a lot of life skills, such as organization, cleaning the house, planting crops, etc. God has also used me in his ministry, too. I go to the village church every week to teach the children. I also volunteered to be a cleaner at the First Fruit Church. And I thank God that he has used my life, bringing me such joy. Now, in 2019... I successfully graduated high school. Now this, see what God's done? Earlier in her testimony, she didn't even dare think about going back to school. But now here she graduates. Amen? Our God is good. So she graduated and passed the 12th grade exam. And it was a great achievement that I had never expected before. I was so thankful that God gave me the success in the early stage of my life. As soon as I graduated from a Heart for Wisdom high school, God also blessed me to be able to work in the office at the school. I was so happy to have this job. I clearly see now that this is what God means for my life. I can now help myself and my family financially. Look what the Lord has done. Amen. And when we go out and share the gospel, that's what we are bringing to people. Hope. You have hope in Jesus Christ. Amen. And I'm sorry for running us over. <laughs> uh, Mark. Alex, that was wonderful. That was awesome. I love the opportunity to learn about, uh, you know, what our missionaries are doing. And Alex, it, it, we're proud to support you. We're proud to, to, to stand with you and do all this. That's so incredible. Yeah, let's give Alex another hand. If you would, please note on all of your, um, on your giving that, that you, you want to give to, to, to Alex and, and, and Nettie and their missionary um, endeavors, <clears throat> If you would, please, online and in the back, our, our offering plates are back here. If you would, please note Cambodia on your giving, please. I, I, I know you are the, uh, the most generous church in the whole wide world. And I'm so proud to, be, to, to, to stand shoulders with you. It's amazing. To, if you look kind of the behind the, 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 the picture and you see our, our amazing generosity over the years, it's really amazing. Um, would you stand with me? 
Let's just thank the Lord for, um, for what He's doing in Cambodia, what He's doing here. And let's ask God for, um, for His presence. And um, I want to remind you of what Alex said. Um, where's your kitchen table? Where's your quiet place? Because I can come to church so much, you know, every, every Sunday for my hour and go, well, God didn't talk to me. But there, it changes the game when you go to the kitchen table every morning and you go, God, I'm thirsty. I've got to have you. He'll show up. Amen? He'll always show up. He'll never let you down. Jesus, we thank you so much for the opportunity to go before you daily, to meet with you, and to learn from you. God, we ask that you would teach us what it is that you would have us learn. Teach us about your word. You're the great teacher. You're the great guide. We love you, Father. We ask for your Holy Spirit to guide us. God, show, show us what you want us to learn and, and, and show us what you want us to forget. Guide us to those around us, Father. May we all carry the same sense of urgency that Alex and Nettie carry as they go to Cambodia. May we see the people in our workplace not as, you know, that's uh, an awkward situation, but Father, as an opportunity to love, to spread your word. God, give us the... Um, Give us the urgency to compel those around us to come into the kingdom, to come into grace. We love you, Father. Thank you so much. We ask that you would do amazing things, continue to do amazing things in Cambodia. Let your spirit go with Alex. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you all for coming. You're dismissed.